welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this first episode of 2021, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe discuss the importance of abiding in God's Word. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines. And Pastor Joe Sorgen. Welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every new year, countless people make resolutions to improve their lives, and many Christians get on board, most commonly making resolutions to spend more time in the scriptures in the new year. I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, have at some time committed to reading through the whole Bible in a year with varying degrees of success. In fact, I would guess that many of our listeners, if not the majority, have committed to some sort of Bible reading plan for 2021, which is a great thing, something I encourage all Christians to consider because, of course, Jesus himself exhorts his followers to abide in God's word. He says in John 8 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Similarly, the Apostle Paul instructs Christians in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the Apostle John likewise speaks often in his first epistle about the truth of God's word abiding in us. And so regular time in the scriptures is clearly a must in the Christian life. And for this reason, Pastor Joe and I thought it might be helpful to spend some time today as we're moving into this new year to discuss what the Bible has to say about this, about abiding in the word, which will hopefully motivate us all to more faithfully, as someone put it, get into the word of God and get the word of God in you this 2021. So let's begin then with just a, a foundational question. Why is it important for every Christian to abide in the scriptures? Well, I think uh, the biggest reason as to why it's important for us to abide in the scriptures is because the scriptures point us to Jesus. And if we abide in his word, we are abiding in him. Though you read John 8, 31 earlier, where it says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Well, of course, just a few chapters later, Jesus says, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. You must abide in me. Well, how is it that we abide in Jesus? Well, there's several ways. But one of those ways is, is by abiding in his word. And then it says, if, if we abide in Jesus, we will bear much fruit. We'll be useful believers if we abide in him. And so, uh, really, I believe that the word of God is the fuel for that. How else could we bear much fruit? How else can we go out and make disciples? How can we live Christian lives if the fuel isn't there? We're running on empty if we're not in the word, if we're not abiding in the scriptures. And so they point us to Jesus and, and the words of God help us abide in him, living good Christian lives as we ought to live. And so that's, that's really the most foundational reason, I think, why every Christian needs to abide in the scriptures every day. That's right. They point us to Jesus. And actually in John 5.39, Jesus says... Uh, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, right? The scriptures are ultimately pointing us to Jesus. So definitely the, the primary reason. But there's so many others too. You know, uh, just this morning, I was doing a bit of research and just looking into all of the uh, promises of what the scriptures will do in us if we abide in them. And I have 
a lot. <laughs> I have a whole page full. I'm not going to touch on every single one, uh, or I won't look at every single scripture reference anyway. I might mention them all, but I just want to focus on a few. So one, that passage I mentioned before in John 8, 31, where Jesus talks about abiding in his word, uh, he says, then after that, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, later he tells us what that freedom is we find in the scriptures. He says later in verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So it's slavery to sin that the scriptures frees us from. First of all, the gospel, when we believe the gospel, uh, no longer does sin, no longer does the flesh, no longer does the world, no longer does Satan have control over us. That power has been broken. But then as we continue in the word, we start to experience more of that freedom, freedom to live for Christ, because that's what true freedom is. Freedom is not indulging our desires. No, freedom is following Christ more faithfully, abiding in him and bearing much spiritual fruit. So freedom, that's, that's another reason. Uh, actually, and you mentioned John 15, the classic scripture where it talks about abiding in Christ. And it's interesting in verse seven, it talks about how abiding in Christ and abiding in his word specifically uh, will also give us more effective prayer. So he says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And of course, that's pointing to the fact that the more that we are in Christ and his word is in us, we will know more his will. And as first John five tells us, that uh, when we know his will and pray according to his will, we can be certain that he will answer us. And then one other passage from, from John, I'll just mention John 17, 17. Jesus says very clearly there, he's asking the father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So sanctifying God's people, making us holy. That's what the word of God also does. I've heard this illustration before, and I think it's so true. There was a, a young man, a new Christian convert, and he'd been told, you know, you've got to be spending time in the word. So he was doing that for a while. Then he came and talked to his pastor and said, you know, I realize this is important, but as much as I'm reading the scriptures, I just can't seem to remember much. Is it really doing anything? And the pastor simply said to him, well, when you pour water over a sieve, it doesn't collect a whole lot of water, but it sure makes it clean. And I think that's been all of our experiences. Uh, the word of God, however much we remember or even fully understand, it has that cleansing, sanctifying effect on us, of course, uh, which is what we want, right? This is God's will for you, your sanctification, your holiness, 1 Thessalonians 5.3. And it is the word of God that does that. Now, I got a list of a bunch of other things. Were there any other... Um, uh, reasons that you had as well from scripture that it's important to do this? Well, I just couldn't help but think of second Timothy chapter three, where it talks about the word of God or the, the scriptures being God breathed inspired by him. And then it goes on and says what the scriptures are profitable for. And so it says it's for teaching, for proof, for correction and for training in righteousness. And so all of those things, the, the scriptures teach us, they, give us reproof they correct us and they train us in righteousness it's very connected to what you were just saying really training us to be holy to live holy lives and then it says in verse 17 that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work so i guess this is it's really connected to what you've already said and what i've already said but it's a it's equipping 
you know, if we don't have the word of God, we're unequipped. We're, we're not going to be ready for whatever might come our way. But if we have it, we'll be equipped for every good work. We'll be running on full and we'll be able to live the, that life of holiness uh, that you were, you were speaking about. And so it's just, uh, and again, like you said, there's just tons and tons and tons of examples of what the scriptures are good for in our lives. But I think it really does boil down to our, our holiness and um, making sure that we are ready for every good work. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, I just thought maybe for interest, if some of you want to look a bit deeper, I'm just going to mention a few other things. I won't read the text, but you can go look elsewhere if you like. Uh, we also see in Acts 20, 32, that the scriptures build up God's people. Romans 15, 4, that they give hope and comfort. How many of us have found that? Mm -hmm. We're looking for hope. We're looking for comfort in a difficult situation or when we're grieving. And we go to the word and God gives us exactly the truth, the promises, the assurance we need. Uh, it's also necessary for church health. Colossians 3.16 talks about letting the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And then it goes on to explain a whole bunch of aspects of body life, church life. And, and we need to be in the word in order to be faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it goes on in verse 17 to tell us also that it's essential for living to the glory of God, Colossians 3.17. It's also just, as you said, how God just works in us, works his pleasure. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells us that. It's important too for our self-understanding Right? Hebrews 4.12 talks about how um, it, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart, right? That amazing image of that two-edged sword cutting through, right? Exposing the sin in us, which as Christians, you know, it's not easy, it's painful, but that's ultimately what we want so that we can confess that sin, repent of it, and grow in holiness. You want to really know who you are yourself? Go to the Word. Um, it also produces spiritual life in us. James 1.18, 1 Peter 1.23, connect the word of God as the instrument which causes us to be born again, right? And so there is that life-giving power in the word, but it doesn't just stop there. When we are born again by faith, as, as uh, the word produces that faith in us, as Romans 10.17 tells us, then it gives us that spiritual growth. And 1 Peter 2.2 then talks about like these, I love that image, these newborn babies craving after their mother's milk. So we crave after the word of God. Why? Because it builds us, it grows us, it matures us spiritually, just like a mother's milk does that physically for a child. It also is essential for having fellowship with God, as we read in 1 John 2, 20. Four. Another thing, too, that's really important, and we see this especially in the Old Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs, is it keeps us from destructive paths. Like we see that so often. There's these two paths, these two ways, one to life, one to death, uh, one for our blessing, one for our curse and destruction. And, and it tells us that the scriptures leads us on that path. But really, I think, and I'll just end with this, I think that the best summary in all of scripture that just uh, tells us, first of all, what the scriptures are, but then also what they do in us is Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. Let me just end there just with one final motivation of why we need to abide in the scriptures. Just listen to this. It's amazing. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You want to be joyful? Be in the word. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. I don't know of any better motivation to abide in the scriptures than that. Well, let's move on now to uh, a second question. If we're supposed to be abiding in the scriptures as Christians, how exactly do we do that? What are the ways we're told in scripture to do that? Now, I just want to start really quickly um, by, first of all, pointing out what I would say is probably the main way, at least that scripture encourages us to abide. And it, and it might surprise you. It's listening to the reading and preaching of the word. It's often overlooked that no one had their own Bibles until at the very earliest would be the 1500s, the invention of the uh, printing press. And then his Bible started being translated into the common tongue. But even then, most people still didn't because they were so expensive. And so that means that we have to realize, particularly when we're reading the scriptures, that all the biblical commands to abide in the word, to be in the scriptures, all of that, it primarily meant listening, which is why you see again and again, hear the word, listen to the word. And it's also why public reading and preaching are the priority in the New Testament. You see that in Acts, they gathered together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12 says that God gave teachers, pastors to uh, equip the saints for ministry through the preaching of the word. Colossians 1, 28 says uh, that Paul says that his, his whole focus was to present everyone mature in Christ. And how did he do that? By proclaiming Christ uh, through teaching and admonition. 1 Timothy 4.11 talks about devote yourselves. He's talking to pastors. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, uh, 4, or maybe it's 13. It's 11 or 13 uh, that says, uh, devote yourself to the reading of scripture and to preaching and to teaching. And then, of course, 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5, the last words of Paul to the church. He, in, he exhorts Timothy and all pastors to preach the word. And, you know, this is why... At the heart of all reformations and revivals in the church was always a renewed priority on the preaching of the word. And that's because something unique and powerful happens in the public reading and preaching. It's just something different than when we're just reading the scriptures on our own. I love what Thomas Cartwright, one of the Puritans said. He said, when the fire is stirred up and discovered in the hearth, it giveth more heat than when it is not. So the word of God by preaching maketh a greater flame in the hearts of the hearers than when it is read. I, I love that. And so listening to the reading and preaching of the word, that is one of the ways, and I would say maybe even the primary way we are to abide in the scriptures. Any thoughts on that, Joe? Well, I think even like if you go back to the Old Testament, we read several different uh commands about the scriptures and we like you said we need to understand that not everyone actually had the scriptures i think of in joshua where god is talking to joshua giving him his command he says be strong and courageous in verse six and then he goes on and says in verse eight this book of the law should not depart from your mouth and he's speaking to joshua specifically but also to the all of the people of israel he says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth 
you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. But we need to understand there, Joshua would have had likely one of the few copies of the law. And so how are all these people supposed to meditate on it? How are they supposed to do what it says? Well, through the public reading of the scriptures, Joshua and, and some of the priests likely would have read the scriptures out loud and the people would have meditated on it. And, and it says that they should still not let the book of the law depart from their mouth. They were to know it, even just from hearing scripture, they needed to know it, not let it depart from their mouth, meditate it on it all day and be careful to do according to what is written in it. I just think that's one of many examples in the Old Testament where when you think of the fact that there was really only a few copies of the law, it's crazy to think that this was commanded of the people uh, and kind of a good challenge for us too. Like these people just heard the word. They didn't have their own copy, but they were commanded to know it. And I think for myself, do I know it that well? I hope so. Uh, and I'm blessed to have several copies of God's word. Um, but I, I hope that I can truly say like, like God commanded them that, that the book of the law does not depart from my mouth and that I know it and I do what it commands. That's a great example. And, and you kind of touched on this and it's, and it's important before we move on that listening to the reading and preaching of the word is not passive right? Scripture is clear that uh, it is an active thing. And that's why Jesus says often, take care how you hear, how you listen, pay careful attention, right? Um, we, we, when we come to the word, there's so many things that can distract us, whether it's the flesh, whether it's the world, whether it's the enemy. And so we need to be vigilant, as we listen, we need to pay careful attention. Part of that too, I think just a little bit of practical help here is we need to be preparing ourselves for the Lord's day and for the reading and preaching of the word. We need to get a good night's sleep. We need to have a good breakfast. We need to be already thinking about spiritual things. If we know what the text is for next week, we should be reading it and studying it even the day before. I love what uh, the Puritans often said about this, they would prepare for the Lord's day on Saturday evening. And someone said it like this, just as people baked bread on Saturday evening so that it would be warm on Sunday morning. So people would study the word on Saturday evenings. So their hearts would be warm for worship on Sunday. We need to be preparing ourselves, careful listeners. And then as Joe, you kind of alluded to too from that passage of Joshua and what James says in James 1 we must not be hearers only but doers of the word and first and foremost we must believe the word because it and believe the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation I remember hearing someone say one time every sermon you hear brings you either nearer to heaven or nearer to hell sadly many go to hell loaded down with sermons they never believed the gospel they never believed the truth. And so we need to be paying careful attention, believing, doing, as we listen to the reading and preaching of the word. Now, with all that said, secondly, we do need to read the word, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's you know, commands throughout scripture to obviously be in the word, to abide in the word. I did find it interesting, though. It's There's not really anything super specific as far as reading the word. And that's, I, I believe, largely because there were no well produced and 
and just available copies of scripture at the time that scripture was was written down. But yeah, there's not really any super clear commands to simply read the word outside of public reading. And we've talked about that a little bit. But there are still lots of examples where it's clear that we haven't read yet, where it's clear that we need to be in the word. And one example I think is just very interesting. It was a verse that one of my old youth leaders uh, shared with me and a few other guys with me at a Bible study going through the Old Testament. It was from Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And the beginning of the verse says, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. And through, or that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And I think a verse like that really should encourage us to read our scriptures, realizing that what was written in the past, I mean, specifically here, this is in the book of Romans. So it's speaking of the Old Testament, but we can take that to, to be the whole scriptures was written in the past, is written for our instructions, our instructions so that we can be encouraged through the scriptures and have hope. And that's why we do read the scriptures. And I think also of what Jesus quotes in Matthew 4, verse 4, when Satan's tempting him, he quotes from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, and says, man cannot live on bread alone, but he needs the scriptures. He needs the word of God. And again, we have copies of the Bible and we can't live on bread alone. We need the word of God. And so we have it available to us. Let's read it. Yeah, yeah. So it is interesting. I've found the same thing. There, there are no instances in scripture where we're told to specifically read. And again, that's because uh, people wouldn't have had their own copies. But man, we do today. And we need to make the most of it. You know, I've even heard of pastors today in some places in Africa, elsewhere, who even the pastors don't have their own copy of God's word and have had to share it. And so we have multiple copies. We need to make the most of it for sure, reading it. And I just want to say this one thing. I think it's really important to read large portions of scripture, not, not studying, we'll get to that later, but just reading them so that we can let the big story, the big picture of what God is doing in redemptive history, fill our hearts and capture our imaginations just like any other story you would read for enjoyment and inspiration. We often don't think of it like that. Sometimes I think, oh, I got reading the Bible means I need to always just be studying it in great detail. But there really is a place for just reading the whole of scripture, because again, that's what people would have had large portions of scripture read to them publicly in the Old Testament and New Testament as well. Also, when we read large parts of scripture and we read through the whole Bible chronologically is then we get the whole context of scripture and we get the whole of scripture. We're not just picking the, maybe the books or the chapters or even the verses we like. So I would just encourage our listeners to, to consider that. Are you reading the word in large sections and just letting it again, capture your imagination and fill your heart with joy and give you the big picture of what God is doing. Now, again, that doesn't mean we shouldn't study the word and that's our uh, the, the next way that we're instructed to have the word abide in us in the scriptures. So what would you say about that, about studying the word? Yeah, I think the probably my favorite example where people are studying the word comes from Acts 17. So in Acts 17, verse 11, the Paul and Silas, just for some context, they're in a place called Berea. And this is what it says about these Christians. 
Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So these were Jewish people who examined the scriptures to see is what, what Paul and Barnabas telling us, is this true based on the scriptures? So they studied the word, they examined the word, and they came to the conclusion, yes, this is true. And uh, that, that should encourage us as well to examine the scriptures, to study. And as Pastor Jay was saying, it's great to just read and to let the words of God fill our imaginations and just enjoy it. But I personally, I mean, I better enjoy studying as well because I'm a pastor. But uh, I, I do. I love just studying and examining the word, getting deeper, digging in. Um, and sometimes that means just reading a passage several times over, writing down my thoughts or whatever the case may be. Sometimes that means sitting down with a commentary and reading what people much wiser than I, or than I am, what they've written about what the Bible says and studying in that way. And there's just so many different ways we can study God's word and examine the scriptures. And it's clear even here from Acts 17 that it's so important and helpful for us to do as it can, it can really help uh, delve us into the truth. Yeah, and that, that's an example I thought of as well there. And maybe you've heard the whole be good Bereans. Well, we have to realize too, the reason that they were motivated to study the scriptures, to examine them so diligently is because they knew this is a matter of truth and falsehood. And so they wanted to make absolutely sure that they wanted to discern and know that what they were hearing lined up with scripture. And they did that because they knew, as I mentioned before, that there are these two paths in life, the path of truth, the path of error, the path towards life, the path towards death. And so they would wanted to do whatever they possibly could to make sure what they were hearing and what the implications of that would be um, uh, were, were in congruity with scripture. And so if we're thinking about it that way, we also no doubt will be motivated to study the scriptures. Now, another thing we're told to do is to meditate on the words. Uh, where in scripture would you go for that? Uh, I think of the very first Psalm that we read, uh, Psalm 1. And at the very beginning, it's talking about the righteous man. And this is what it says about the righteous man in Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. The righteous man meditates on scripture. I just think that's so interesting because if i'm being honest about my experience with scripture meditation on scripture is probably what i neglect the most and i think it's fair to say that that's true of many many believers uh, that they neglect meditating on the word but here it says that the righteous man he loves to meditate on the word of god he delights in it so much that he's meditating on the law. And uh, that, that's a huge challenge to myself as well, to really meditate on, on the word. And so there's many other examples, but I just think that's the most poignant one uh, where we see the righteous man does do this. That's what a righteous man ought to do is meditate on the word of God. 
Yeah, exactly. And it, it is really common in the Psalms, right? And mm-hmm. it's all pointing to the fact that it's, it's, it's about thinking deeply and, and pondering these truths. I'm turning them over and over in our eyes. Thomas Watson said, it's chewing the cud. If you're a rancher out there, you'll know exactly what that um, is like. And just think about doing that in your mind with the scriptures. And of course, this is something we all do often with things that matter most to us. We ponder, we think over um, work, hobbies, family, friendship, things that are important to us, right? Um, But it's something that is very neglected today. Maybe part of that is because the word meditation um, generally elicits in our minds from Eastern religions, which is the exact opposite of what we mean by meditation, right? Eastern meditation means emptying your mind of everything, whereas biblical meditation means filling your mind with scripture and thinking and pondering these things. And it's interesting, if you look at Christians from the past who were, who did this and were, were really good at this and strong in this, an area maybe we're weak in, they usually would talk about two different kinds of meditation. There would be deliberate meditation, which would be maybe once every day. And this would be kind of like a quiet time. Uh, the Puritans were specifically um, emphasized this a lot. And what they would do is they would read a passage of scripture. They'd maybe pull out a piece of it, maybe just a word or a verse. They would memorize it. Then they would ponder it. And then they would think of everything in the scripture, all the passages they could think about that had to do with that. And then that would move them to prayer. I love, uh, they would say, uh, meditation's the halfway house between Bible reading and prayer. And then as they prayed, then they would make resolutions based on what they had meditated on. They'd write that in a diary and often sing a song. So that was deliberate meditation. It was basically like our quiet times, but much more intentional and much more focused again on that meditating aspect. But then they also talked about occasional meditation that could just happen different times during the day, usually spontaneously when they would have a few minutes maybe to themselves. And, and I've, I've really tried to do that and just to feed my soul on the truth of God Uh, in those moments. So for example, maybe if I'm sitting down for breakfast and no one else is up yet and I have uh, some toast before me, I know in the past I've thought, okay, bread. Well, Jesus is the bread of life. The word of God is bread. Job says he would um, sooner uh, feast on the word of God than bread. Uh, You know, just thinking about all of the allusions of scripture to bread and it just can be really um, beneficial. Or maybe you're waiting in, in a waiting room at the dentist and you just have nothing to think about. Of course, nowadays with our phones, it maybe makes it a little bit trickier. We always can go there. But, you know, maybe take the time and, and think about, hey, there's a door over there. Well, Jesus is the door, right? And uh, what else does it say? Open the door of your heart. You know, think about all the scripture has to say about that. Or maybe on your way home from work, you can be thinking about your eternal home, meditating on where you're going to spend eternity, that sort of thing. Uh, but those are just some, some ways that we can meditate on the word. Now, fifthly and finally, the scriptures also tell us to memorize the word. Isn't that right, Joe? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And I think one of the greatest examples we have as far as the Bible speaking of, of memorizing the word comes from Psalm 119, which is just, we could have just read Psalm 119 as the podcast and it would have done better than what we're doing, I'm sure. But uh, it's just so focused on the word and loving the word and what we need to do with the word. But in Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
the author saying, I've stored up the words of scripture in my heart. I know them. I've memorized them. And it's not just in my head. I find it really interesting that he says, I've stored them in my heart. So we read elsewhere earlier, I was reading from Joshua one, and it says that they, that they knew them, that it shouldn't depart from their mouth. So obviously they've memorized it, but they also went and did. And now when it says, speaking of memorizing here, again, it says they store up the word in your heart. So it's something that isn't just head knowledge. It's something that when you memorize it, it ought to hit to the core and it should affect how we live our life. You know, if, if you memorize Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's awesome that you can memorize that, that I can memorize that. But if that doesn't affect my life and I'm still just doing things in my own strength and my own power, what use is memorizing that really? Uh, no, it needs to be stored up in our heart so that when I, when I can say, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, I am truly putting my trust and I am relying in God and in his mighty power and not in my own. And that's really what memorizing, I think, is all about, is taking the words of Scripture and truly knowing them, not just with our heads, though that's important, but knowing them well in our hearts and living that out. Yeah. Yeah, that passage, Psalm 119.11, is so important. And actually, the word there, um, uh, stored up your word in my heart, can also mean to treasure something or to hide mm -hmm. something. And so I often think of it like a priceless family heirloom that you store in a vault for safekeeping so that you can take it out whenever you want. And, you know, um, one of the blessings of memorizing scripture is that it, then it is always with us. Nobody can take the scripture you have memorized away from you. They can take your Bibles, but they cannot take that. And I think of Corey Ten Boom, who discovered this when imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. She said that th though her Bible was taken from her hands, they could not take it from her heart. And that proved to be the source of her strength and perseverance during this terrible time. And uh, that, that's been true for so many of the persecuted church. It's something that is essential. But I also like, you know, you actually mentioned um, Ephesians 6.10, and that's where it talks about the armor of God and that spiritual battle against the uh, principalities and powers, the forces of darkness in the heavenly places. And I like to think that the more scripture we have memorized, the better armed we are for that battle, or for that matter, the, that matter, the battle against the flesh or the world as well. We have um, a better armory, right? More weapons to choose from for specific situations. I love what Donald Whitney said. He said, imagine yourself in the midst of a decision or needing guidance or struggling with a difficult temptation and needing victory. The Holy Spirit enters your mental arsenal and looks around for available weapons. But all he finds is a John 3.16 and Genesis 1.1. Those are great swords, but they're not made for every battle. And so the more scripture we have in our minds, the more uh, weapons we have the the the, uh, the sword in a sense is nearer to us for that battle and uh, and then of course as the scripture tells us here it keeps us from sin that that ultimately is why we need to memorize Spurgeon said uh, here's the of this verse here's the best thing thy word hidden in the best place in my heart for the best purpose that I might not sin against thee what greater motivation do we need for memorizing and let me just put a plug I, I have found the Navigator's topical memory system to be one of the best. And you can actually get an app for that, which I have and use, and just a great way to start memorizing scripture. Well, we're just about to going to wrap up, but I thought just one last question. 
Joe, what are some practical tips for abiding in the scriptures that we can give our listeners today? Well, I think just like you said, there's a memorizing plan, for example, uh, and an app you can use for that. There's also uh, reading plans you can get. And actually, just prior to the new year beginning, I've given out just a very simple reading plan. It's called the five by five by five plan to all of the youth. And I'm hoping that it encourages them and, and myself and all the leaders as well to spend that time abiding in the word reading. Uh, that's, that, that one is probably more specific to reading and maybe a little bit of studying, but we can also come up with plans on our own of listening, whether that be listening to God's word or listening to sermons, even if it's once or twice a week. Uh, you know, there's tons of really good sermons available. And of course, Sunday morning, it'd be preferable if we just uh, listened and came to church. But uh, yeah, there's study plans, there's memorizing plans. And I think probably the most practical thing I've found is even using these plans is accountability. Uh, having accountability with another believer regarding how you're abiding in the word is so, so helpful. And I'm, I'm a big proponent for accountability in general. I think it's just we're, God's given us each other for a purpose. So we uh, might as well use that, that purpose of accountability, of building each other up. And what better way to do it? Even if it's a phone call or a text once or twice a week, hey, how are you abiding in the word? That's huge. And thinking about, I was thinking also about what you said, Pastor Jay, about meditating and, uh, you know, kind of just pondering a passage in your head, even throughout the week. And I know I've done that before, where just a passage, whether I just don't understand it or, or what, what the case may be, I ponder it throughout the week. This might be a little different from meditating, but still, what about pondering that with a friend and discussing it? Uh, how helpful, like that's great to be able to discuss the word with, with another brother or sister in Christ. And so I think those are really some hopefully helpful practical tips that we can use to help us abide in the scriptures every day. Yeah, that's great advice. I would just add a few things. Um, I would say first and foremost, do what works for you, not what works for someone else. Sometimes we can hear, well, this is what so-and-so does, or this is what my pastor does. So I guess I should do the same thing. No, do what works for you. Some people uh, find it easier to be in the word in the morning, other people in the evening. Some people find it easier when they're sitting, some people when they're walking. Some people find it easier if they're just in a very private, quiet place. You know what? Other people like to go to a coffee shop where there's a buzz around them. Um, some people need want to be really, really prepared. Other people um, kind of wing it a little bit more. Also, I'd encourage you to start small and then work your way up patiently. Be realistic, right? Don't just, okay, you know, I've never done any Bible reading before and now I'm going to do an hour every day. I mean, start small, start realistic. Um, also, if right now you're not doing any of these things, or maybe just, maybe all you do is come and hear the reading and preaching of the word on Sundays and none of the others. Maybe just start with one of these other aspects this year. Maybe just start with a reading plan. And then maybe the year after that, maybe move into memorizing, that kind of thing. Uh, also be balanced. Um, there's certain, of these five different ways we can abide in the word, there's probably one or two that we maybe more naturally are bent towards and we find more easy and natural, whereas other things, not so much. Maybe you find it really easy to read the Bible, but not to study it. Maybe you find it easy to meditate, but not memorize. 
uh, try to be balanced and try to find a way to do all of these things in some degree. I also would say this, this has been so helpful for me, read good Christian biographies for ideas and inspiration, because inevitably the great men and women of, of, of church history whom God have used are always people who abide in the word. And then finally, just uh, some book recommendations. Uh, one would be Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, who I quoted before. That's a great little book. Um, Disciplines of a Godly Man and Disciplines of a Godly Woman by Kent and Barbara Hughes are a good one. And then as far as, you know, I was talking about how we can be better prepared and be better listeners on Sunday mornings to the reading and preaching of the word. There's a great little book by Joel Beakey called The Family at Church that really gives some helpful insights into that and also how we can help our kids be better listeners to sermons. So do you have any books specifically you'd recommend? Or? Um, I'm trying to think here of, of a specific book that would help. I, I heard recently about a book. This is more maybe about praying, but uh, it has to do with it too. It's called Praying the Word. And uh, same, same kind of idea. It really is helpful in probably that's more of the meditating on the word. It's helpful for that. You know, just taking a verse and praying that verse um, and really thinking about it, meditating on it, and praying that verse back to God. And so that's, that's one book I would, I would recommend, and I'm hoping to read it quite soon. And that's also a book by Donald Whitney, correct? Mm -hmm. I yeah. believe so. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. And uh, I think that's a good place probably for us to end. Uh, I hope this discussion has been helpful to you, our listeners, and most importantly, that we've all been spurred on to abide in the word more faithfully in 2021. Next week, Pastor Joe will be interviewing some former classmates about their experience at Bible school and why they would recommend it highly to any young people considering what to do after graduation. So look forward to that and hope you can all take a listen. And maybe uh, if you know any young people who are in that situation, maybe encourage them to listen to it next week. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long. See ya. Thank you.